0: An invitation, an invitation is going to be made for you today to be a part of the Life Church Union Gap Congregation. Some of you are probably thinking, well, I already am. I thought I was. I'm glad you are. But this is an invitation I just want everybody to see and hear and know and learn from today. Amen. I apologize, I'm going to have to put my glasses on to read the screen in the back. But if you were here Tuesday night, you saw some of this, heard some of this, but I, I felt the Lord impressed me to say more people need to see this and hear this. And as I said, this is an invitation for us to participate and be a part of this congregation and, and know what the Lord is doing, who, who he is and who we are. What's our part in the kingdom of God? Uh, let me say this quickly before I show you these things. The structure of life church is very different from many structures and organizations. Um, other churches, even that are inside of our organization, uh, are not structured the same way that we are. So it's a unique thing, but it is something that the Lord has developed and has continued to develop over 25 years now. Everybody say 25 years. That's longer than a lot of us have been alive, and it's longer than even more of us have been serving the Lord. All right? This is, this is not a new thing. This is a long-time, ongoing thing that the Lord has Shown and led through. Amen? Amen? Now, Life Church, I'm going to give you a few of these terms first. We say them, you hear them, you probably say them, but I want you to know exactly what we mean when we say these things, all right? The term bishop. The bishop, that's Bishop Schoonover to us. It's kind of funny because when I'm talking to you or to him, or to really anybody else inside of the life church structure, I call him bishop. But when I'm not talking to somebody inside of this uh, structure, it, it seems different to me. It seems like when I say bishop or, or Bishop Schoonover, it's like, Who, who's that? It conveys a different understanding when you know this, right? So Bishop Schoonover, he has oversight over the elders and the congregations. A congregational elder administrates and ministers in the local congregation. A deacon, one that supports the congregational elder in the care of the local congregation. It says Acts chapter 6 there. If you don't know, in Acts chapter 6, obviously it's after Acts chapter 2, which we all know what happened in Acts chapter 2, right? Right? The upper room, the Holy Ghost came down, and the Lord starts to build a church. Well, just a few chapters later, those, the apostles, those disciples that work closely with Jesus, people come to them and say, hey, we've got a need here, and we need, we need this need to be met. In that specific instance, it was about widows. They say the widows are being neglected in this ministry, in the daily ministration of how things are run. And so... Those disciples, those apostles did not say, okay, good, we'll pause everything else and we'll spend a few weeks ministering to the widows. No, they said, look for men that can do this work so that we can keep doing the work we're supposed to do. And they say that the word, the term that, came, that they came up with to serve is the, is the Greek word diaconos, which is where we get the word deacon, A lot of churches say, well, the deacons are the ones that are in charge of running the church. That's for them to say. We look at the Bible. We know what the deacons do. They help serve and they help support. Now, I'm just going to say this. We in Union Gap need deacons. Hear the voice of the Lord. We need deacons. Multi-congregational. So a congregation is an assembly of believers. We call this the, the Union Gap Congregation. A congregation is an assembly of believers in a particular geographic region led by a congregational elder. That's our, that's our church. That's us, all right? The congregational elder is appointed by the bishop. Each congregation has, and I will insert should have, an internal Ministry group known as a deacon's council. I just said it, we need deacons. All right? The members of the deacon council are selected by the congregational elder and bishop. Let's look at our current congregations in Life Church Ministries. So we have Bishop and Sister Schoonover, and then each congregation, we have the Puyallup congregation. The elder there, Elder Nick Johnstone. We have Federal Way, or you're probably used to it being called the Kent Congregation. There's a story behind that. I'm not going to get into it today. But the Federal Way Congregation is led by Elder Miko Laksamana. The Union Gap Congregation, say, that's me. I told you, you have an invitation today. This is where you find yourself on the flow chart. The Union Gap Congregation, led by Elder Caleb Flowers, that's me. Now, don't say that. I'm Caleb, but we are the Union Gap congregation. And then there's the Cela congregation led by Elder Joel Hart. Now, I want you to catch these things because that's, that much you probably already knew. It's, we try to convey it. We try to say who we are and how we have fellowship with these other um, congregations, who the bishop is. and So that much is not really new to us except the fact that I'm expressing to you the need for deacons but I also want you to see the oversight of Life Church. When I say this is how Life Church operates, this is really what I'm talking about. It's what I think of, what comes to mind when I think of the oversight of Life Church. All right? So we have this thing called the Executive Council of Elders. So we call that the ECE. It's, it consists of. Bishop as the chairman, the administrative secretary, which is Sister Schoonover, I believe. Am I right on that? Okay. So Bishop and Sister Schoonover, the congregational elders and ministers appointed by Bishop. That's who makes up the Executive Council of Elders, currently comprised of 11 members. It provides leadership to all Life Church ministries. All right? Everybody say, that's me. I'm a part of Life Church Ministries. This is the leadership of Life Church Ministries, the Executive Council of Elders. I'm not in charge of you. Some of you call me pastor, and that's fine. Some of you call me elder, and that's fine. But I don't just sit there and say, okay, what are we going to do with this congregation now? I have a role to play, but the oversight, this Executive Council of Elders, provides leadership over all Life Church Ministries. I'll give you a quick example. 2020, when we had COVID stuff starting to happen, and we started to try and figure out, can we go to church? Can we not? Should we? Should we not? Are we supposed to? Or What do we do? The Executive Council of Elders provided leadership over the whole unit of Life Church Ministries. We didn't say, well, this congregation can do that, and this one can do that. If right with it and then they can try this no we we wanted to operate together collectively so the oversight acted based on the entire life church ministries the executive council of elders ministers from the council are involved in ministry among all congregations as scheduling permits now thankfully over the last year or so we've got to see a little bit more of this uh, you might remember we've played some videos from ministers. We've had some that are been, have been able to come in here uh, from person, from SELA, from uh, Federal Way, from Puyallup. And so we get to receive. We are the recipients of ministry. Look at the person next to you and say, thank God you're not preaching today. No, I'm just kidding. No, we get to receive uh, from more than just Who's in this building or a part of this congregation, right? Ministers from that group, as scheduling permits, as often as we can, we try to put that ministry in play in each of the congregations. The biblical term for that is very akin to the fivefold ministry because we don't just want one gift, one ministry. And say that 's who we attach ourselves to this person, or the way that the Lord works through this individual. No, we need the diversity of ministry. Amen. the uh, okay, matters deemed of greater significance are submitted to the external board of trustees that 's different than this group. The executive council of elders is made of people inside of life church. the elders, the ministers, the bishops, sisters go over those are the ECE, this is the EBT, external, that's the term, external board of trustees. Matters deemed of a greater significance are submitted to the external board of trustees for their consideration and oversight. Let's talk about the EBT, the external board of trustees. They provide covering and oversight to Bishop and to the ECE that we just talked about and to Life Ministries Collective as a whole, all right? That's their role. The EBT meets annually. They conduct a financial review of all accounts for oversight and direction. So they provide accountability to make sure that we are good stewards of what the Lord gives to Life Ministries. It's our belief that just as when a saint submits to pastoral advice and oversight, the glory of God will manifest when we submit to an oversight board and we will be the benefactors we get to receive from having oversight. Amen? i don 't have the slide up to show you right now, but let me just give you the quick rundown. If you were here Tuesday night, you got to see their pictures and hear from uh, Bishop speak about them but So this is Bishop Chester Wright in Annapolis, Maryland is one of those on the External Board of Trustees. Bishop Paul Sharp in Oklahoma is one of those. Bishop Jim Dillon in Salem, Oregon is one of those, and then Brother Mike Gonzalez in San Diego, California, those are the four ministers that currently are a part of our external board of trustees. All right. I was gonna say next slide, but I got the clicker. So let's talk just quickly, review what we've said. The external, uh, external board of trustees, they provide covering and oversight. The executive council of elders, they provide leadership and ministry to all associated congregations. The Congregational Elders administrate and minister in the local congregation, and the Deacon Council is a local support team to the Congregational Elder. I want you to see this. We're over halfway through this, okay? We're almost done. But I want you to see some um, principles of how we operate, specifically in the areas of finance. These are scriptures, biblical principles of that determine how we operate. Acts chapter 2 verse 44. And all that believed were together and had all things common. Everybody say all things common. That is the guiding principle for how the life church congregations operate. We have all things common. I'm telling you again, this is not just something we came up with last year or the year before or the year before when we needed I told you, over 25 years, over the course of a long time, the Lord has been teaching, sharing, and guiding us with these principles. Acts chapter 4, verse 32, And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul, and they had all things common. And look at this verse, 2 Corinthians 8, verse 14. But by an equality, this is... I'm not preaching, uh, I'm going to fasten my own seatbelt. Paul wrote this to the Corinthians, but he's sharing the principle. By an equality that now at this time, your abundance may be a supply for their want. That their abundance also may be a supply for your want. That there may be an equality. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you some numbers because I want you to be able to put data to this. That's how my mind works. I compute this way. But so these these figures are based on 2019, okay? And then just for a, a further point of reference, this was just before we as the Union Gap congregation became part of Life Ministries. That happened in 2020, January 2020. So this is the year before 2019, but it's going to give you an idea, give us a picture of how the church operates in in the area of finances. So, in 2019, Bible School and AYC scholarships there was giving out of Life Church for that purpose in the amount of $2,900. Benevolence offerings and projects $7,656. Missions trip of the Life Church team to the Philippines. 8585 So that was ministers of the various congregations that were able to go and participate in ministry on that missions trip in the Philippines. The Washington District Support, $13,744. This is district conference offerings. So I mentioned a minute ago those announcements, men's conference, ladies' conference, youth convention, all those things that come up, those types of conferences, those are, those are put on by the Washington District, which we are a part of, and we attend and we participate in ways such as giving. So district conference offer, offerings, Battleground building that was a church building we were able to give and help them build that church building in battleground, apostolic man, which is our men 's uh, department, sheaves for Christ, Christmas for Christ, save our children mother 's memorial. so we get to give outside of the life church congregations. you realize that right? We don't just hoard all of our money and say let's make Life Church as rich as we can be. No, we it's the exact opposite. Let's find out what we have to operate with and then figure out what God wants us to do. Give, bless, participate. All right? Global Missions Support 52392. So, these are a few of the families that are in other countries that we support with that giving. The Hemis family in the United Kingdom. The Doan family in Japan and Vietnam. The Tomyev family in the Ukraine. The Masons in the Ukraine. The Sherry's in the Middle East. Laksamana family in the Philippines and the Guzman's in Italy. There you go. You have an invitation to be a part of Life Church Ministries. Amen? This is important. I don't want to ever just assume that you know what I'm talking about when I say something like global missions, or when I say something like a deacon, or when I say something like the Federal Way Congregation. You remember uh, last year we had Brother Jeremy Casa that came here and he preached for us. First, he did a youth service on a Saturday, and then he preached here on a Sunday. That was a very awesome time of ministry. He's a part of the Federal Way congregation. In fact, he's going to become the assistant elder in the Federal Way congregation today. Don't get nervous like I gave you a spoiler or whatever. So even though we're not there in Federal Way, we get all right, Brother Casa. <laughs> um, so this is uh, an idea you can get to lights now. This is that's the end of the PowerPoint. But I want you to know I want you to be able to see what we are a part of. It is an invitation. Amen. Everybody say I'm invited. I'm invited to be a part of Life Church Ministries. Amen. Praise God. Why don't we stand? We're going to dismiss our children to their classes as they're going. I'm going to let you turn to Matthew Chapter Eight Amen. Thank you for letting us share that today. Matthew Chapter Eight, Verse Five Amen. Matthew chapter eight verse five, you can be seated. When Jesus, I want to want to tell you about the way the Lord has been dealing with me about what we just shared. We 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 talked on words like oversight and covering. That is, we got to see it. That is our oversight. That is our covering. It's a very dangerous place to live, where you don't have covering, where you don't have oversight. It's a very you don't want to be there, not even for a day. In a place where you don't have oversight, where where your oversight, someone that you are submitted to, can come to you and tell you what the Lord is trying to tell you. We have to have that role in our lives. And we have to know who it is. It can't just be like, well, today I think I'm going to listen to what my cousin's pastor has to say because he's a good guy. Or, you know, next week I know this church over there is doing a fast. I might join them and do a fast because they. No, you've got to know who your covering is. It's a. It's a trick of the enemy to think, well, I can just be open to all of them, listen to all of their voices, participate where I want to participate and how, where, how, listen, follow and plug in here and and, and watch their services and then pause it for a minute because it's getting kind of boring and then go, no, let's watch this one instead. Um, we just you've got to know who you're covering is. I'm not telling you that God won't ever speak to you through somebody else. But there's a difference in God speaking to you through another channel and God speaking to you through your covering. In fact, oftentimes what I hear, I'll just give you my own example. When I get to hear other ministers, men, women of God, share things, teach things, minister, when I get to hear them, it's usually... Great things that I'm enjoying hearing, and I'm just being edified by it. Man, this is powerful. They're such a good priest. They got an anointing on their life, and I, I'm I'm getting to receive all of this. It's powerful to me. And then when I go and I hear the the covering in my life, I hear uh, instruction like you should be doing this. I hear. Sometimes correction, like, you did that, but really you should have done this. And I'm thinking, how come you can't preach like the other guy? (laughs) Because that was all fun and games when I got to just hear and receive. Now, we we got these conferences coming up. We got men's conference, for example, and I know we've got men that are going to go there. I'm going and I'm expecting to receive from God, ministry, because there will be sessions where preachers and teachers share and impart things to us. It's going to be a great time, I believe it. Youth convention, if you were, a lot of us were at youth convention last year in Bremerton, right? You remember that? Remember the guy, he preached with a giant Q-tip one time, and he, he threw out, I think, candy or chips or whatever one time, and uh, all these various things. Those are, those are great for us. They edify us but they are not our oversight. All right? And I'll, di- I'll tell you what, I would dare say, if I am your oversight and we are at a conference together and whoever it is starts speaking things that I'm uncomfortable with, I'm going to let you know. It's my responsibility as your oversight. I know they said this, but I don't want you to hear and live like that. I don't want you to think that was for you. Most of the time, that's not the case. When it is, we as oversight have the responsibility to make sure that's clearly communicated. But I'm telling you, there is a danger in not knowing who your oversight is, not submitting to them, and just thinking, I'll take some of this. And some of that, have a little bit of this, take some of that there, and I'm going to be a well-rounded Christian. No, you're not. You're going to be an open target to the enemy. Amen. I want you to see, this is an interesting passage to me, and the Lord has just shown me some more today that I didn't even know about this. Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. When Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him. You get the visual of a guy walking up to Jesus, right? It says, he came to him. To beseech means, I have something I need to ask of you. A request. So a man came to Jesus, a centurion, requesting something from Jesus. He says, Lord... My servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. So what's his request about? His request is about his servant who is at home sick. Next verse. Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. I've got some time. Sure, I'll go there and I'll heal him. Was Watch what the man says. Verse 8. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof. But before, but, but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. I know all you have, I, I don't even deserve to have you come into my house. I know that if you just say it, it will happen. Amen. Verse 9. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers. How do I know that you can just speak the word and it will happen? For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, go, and he goeth. That's what the term centurion means, right? It's where we get the word century, which is how many years? A hundred. A centurion has a hundred soldiers under him. He says, I can tell this one. Come here, and he's going to come here. I can tell this one, go there, and he's going to go there. My servant does this. I can tell my servant, do this, and they do it. That's how I know when you say what I need you to say, it's just going to happen. Verse 10, when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. First of all, i got you. got to let you know, he didn't say this as a reply to the man. I hear that often. I think of it myself sometimes. They're having this one-on-one dialogue, and he says, No, you just say this, because I know this. And Jesus, Oh, wow, man, you're awesome. Let me pat you on the back for a minute and tell you, I haven't found anybody with this great faith. No, he says, it, he turns to them that followed him and said, This is an example of the greatest faith I've seen in all of Israel. Verse 11, Jesus speaking still, he says, I say to you that many shall come from the east and west, shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, but the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Verse 13 jesus said unto the centurion go thy way and as thou hast believed so be it done unto thee and his servant was healed in the self-same hour look at luke chapter eight sorry chapter nine no i gotta find it seven luke chapter seven it's an account of what we were just reading about, but some of the details are very different. All right? Follow along. Luke chapter 7, verse 1. Now when he had ended his sayings in the audience of the people, he entered, this is Jesus, entered into Capernaum. So we know we're talking about the same town, right? Went to Capernaum. A certain... Luke chapter 7, verse 2. And a certain centurion's servant, who was dear unto him, was sick and ready to die. And when he heard of Jesus, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews, beseeching him. There's that word, beseeching. It's a request. That he would come and heal his servant. Now, first of all, it says right there, he sent... The elders of the Jews to Jesus. I thought Matthew said, when he came to Jesus. Stay with me. Is everybody with me? Yeah. Verse 4. When they came to Jesus. Everybody say they. they. When they came to Jesus, they besought him instantly saying that he was worthy of for whom he should do this so the elders uh, of the Jews come to Jesus and say there is a guy who's got a request and just so you know he's a good guy he's worthy of you doing this thing for he loveth our nation and hath built us a synagogue okay pause for a second the centurion is not a Jew In case we didn't get that in the last reading in Matthew. He's a Roman guard. He's a high-ranking official in, in the Roman army. But apparently he's a good enough guy that the elders of the Jews think his request is valid to take to Jesus. Because he loves our nation. He likes the Jews. And... He built us a synagogue. Jesus, just in case you need to know that. This guy, he's legit. I mean, he's like a, he, he's a friend of our nation. And he's a big donor, by the way. Yeah. Verse 6, Jesus went with them. All right. Jesus went with the elders of the Jews. And when he was now not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him. First he sends the elders of the Jews. And now he hears, oh, they're coming back. He sends friends of his to Jesus. Saying, who's saying? Right? He sent friends saying, Lord, trouble not thyself, for I am not worthy that thou shouldest enter under my roof. See where this is kind of a, it's not like a normal Bible reading, right? Matthew makes it look like the the centurion drops everything and runs to find Jesus and has this one-on-one dialogue with him. Luke makes it look like he's sending convoys of people to Jesus, to speak to Jesus on his behalf. Stay with me, we're going to get somewhere. Verse 7, Wherefore neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee. That clears it up a little bit. Tell Jesus, I don't even think I'm worthy. Not only am I not worthy for him to come to my house, I'm not worthy to go and approach him myself. I would love, maybe we'll get to do this one day. When we get to heaven, after we've celebrated a few centuries, I'm going to try to find all of you and say, let's go find Matthew and Luke and get them to tell us what really happened. Did the centurion go or did he send people? And I I bet you we probably won't even be the first ones that want to have this conversation with them. I mean, it's in the Bible. But this is a very, I, I just see it as happening two different ways. So so was Matthew there and he heard it in person? And Luke is just kind of writing what he thinks happened? Or was Luke there and he knows and Matthew's just, you know, stay with me. I don't think I'm worthy for you to come under my roof. Verse 7, wherefore... Oh, sorry. Uh, Wherefore, neither thought I myself worthy to come to thee, but say in a word, and my servant shall be healed. For I also am a man set under authority, having under me soldiers. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. To another, come, and he cometh. And my servant, do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled and turned him about... And said unto the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And they that were sent, returning to the house, found the servant whole that had been sick. I asked the Lord, once I read through these a couple of times and made sure what I'm seeing, what I'm seeing. Matthew says it happened this way. Luke says it happened this way. And I asked the Lord, why? What's the point of it being any different? You know, most stories in the gospel, they might just have one or two words here or there that are a little different, but they get the same, you know, overall detail and account. But this, to me, seems like two different guys that heard or saw something two different ways. And I asked the Lord in prayer just, why? What what am I supposed to learn from this? And here's what I felt the Lord say. If it happened the way Luke said that it happened, it is just a greater depiction of authority because the centurion didn't even have to leave his seat to get all of this accomplished. Send the elders of the Jews to find Jesus and make my request known to him. Okay, he's coming this way. You friends of mine, you go there and tell him I said this. But either way, we see Jesus' response to it is, this is what I'm looking for. I have not seen faith operate in this way in all of the nation of Israel. This guy gets it. He understands how authority works. Not because he has men that listen to him. But because in both instances where he says, I am a man under authority. Not, I am a man with great authority. I am a man, in Luke he says, set under authority that means somebody told me this is my place they set me here under authority and therefore i know when i speak to my 100 followers and tell them do this and this and that and that i know they're going to do it because it's not me that they're obeying it's the one that put me here And so, Jesus, I know how authority operates. I also know how sickness, infirmity, uncleanness, anything that shouldn't be in its place, I know how it operates. And I know who it listens. I've heard enough about you, Jesus, to know you have authority over this situation. My servant who's sick and should not be. I know the one to go to. It's you. And you don't even have to come here and lay your hand on his head or spit in the mud or make the wind blow or whatever kind of stuff you do. You don't have to do any of that. You just have to say it. And I believe it will happen because the ones that are under my authority when I say it it happens and this is under your authority so you say it and it will happen amen i'm trying to go quickly i got one more thing i want to cover 1st corinthians chapter 11 verse 3 i would have loved to give you this forewarning But the Lord wouldn't let me. I'm going to try to tell you. I'm going to let the Lord try to tell us why women should have long hair and why men should not. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 3. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ and that the head of the woman is the man. And that the head of Christ is God. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonoreth his head. Who's the head of every man? Christ. So every man that prays or prophesies with his head uncovered dishonors Christ. Verse 5. Every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered, every man that does it with his head covered, dishonors Christ. Every woman that does it with her head uncovered, dishonoreth her head. The head of every woman is man. Now, okay, we got, somebody time me. I don't know what good it's going to do, but somebody time me. The head of every woman is not every man. Sorry, that chair was bugging me. The head of every woman is not every man. Brother DeAndre is not the head of Sister Magda. No offense. It doesn't work that way. We don't say men are better than women because they are in charge. I'm trying to hit all the slippery spots where people could say, Well, you're just wrong because you think, no. God-ordained authority is what we're talking about. God-ordained authority is what we're talking about. The head of a woman, that's a man, is a man in a place of God-ordained authority in that woman's life. Let me say that again. The head of a woman that is a man, when it's a male that's the covering for a female, it's because that male is in a place of God-ordained authority in her life. All right? That's why so-and-so is not so-and-so's covering just because one's male and one's female. I... I love, I'm thankful every day for my family, but today I was particularly thankful that I have three daughters and two sons because I get to see on a daily basis the difference between male and female. Boys act like this. Boys talk like this. Boys care about this. Girls act like this, talk like this, care about this. They're totally unrelated most of the time. But we and I talked about this a little bit last week. We know God created male and female and they're different. They act different, they look different, they talk different. So the head We're talking about the head. And now Paul with this writing, he's going to weave some things. Pardon that poor pun. For those of you that caught it, we're talking about hair. And I just said weave. All right. Now we're all on the same page. So he's going to talk about the head, which is a spiritual covering. And then he's going to talk about physical locks of hair on a person's head. And he's relating them. And he's, that's where I said weaving back and forth between... What's a covering, what's not a covering. What is covered, what's not covered. So he said it, if a man prays or prophesied with his head uncovered, he's dishonoring his covering the Lord, his head the Lord. When a woman prays or prophesies with her head uncovered, she's dishonoring the man, the God-ordained authority figure in her life. All right? Next verse. No, go back. Every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered dishonoreth her head, for that is even all one as if she were shaven. So now we're not just talking about authority structures in a flowchart. We're talking about if she were shaven, had a shaved head. It's not the same as a bald head. All right? It's not the same. One's by choice. If she's dis, if she's praying or prophesying with her head uncovered, she's dishonoring her head, and that is the same as if her head was shaved. Ooh, let's keep going. If the woman, for if the woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. Paul said there's no difference in a woman that dishonors her head and a woman that shaves her head. If the woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. If it be a shame for for a woman to be shorn or have a shaved head, let her be covered. Paul, we don't want our women walking around with shaved heads. Exactly, neither do I. He's saying, so let her be covered. Everybody say covered. Covered. Next verse. A man, for a man indeed ought not to cover his head, for as much as he is the image and glory of God, But the woman is not the image and the glory of God. The woman is the image and glory of the man. This is so fun, you have no idea. Somebody check your calendar. Yes, it is 2022. The man is the glory and the image of God. When I look at a man, I'm supposed to see the image of God. This is, it's almost a little confusing because it's like, okay, if I look at the man, I'm supposed to see God. If I look at the woman, I'm supposed to see the man. No, you're supposed to see the glory of the man. The glory of the man. What looks nice about the man? Thank the Lord, the husband and the wife don't have to enter the beauty contest. Together, the wife is the beauty of the husband. I'm going to have to, we're going to revisit that in probably a year. For as much as he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of the man. Next verse. For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man adam and eve who came first adam eve was made out of adam the woman is of the man next verse Uh, don't get puffed up guys we're going to come back to that neither was the man created for the woman but the woman for the man he used the term help meet the man doesn't have a helper He needs one. So the woman was made for the man. Next verse. For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. That feels like it's completely out of line or order or context or something because I thought we were talking about what the man's supposed to look like and what the woman's supposed to look like. No, we're talking in line and order and God-ordained authority And so when, okay, downshift a little bit. Everything we're talking about today is spiritual principles. Spiritual principles. This, that right there is the reason why the world has a problem with what we're talking about. Because it's a spiritual principle. The world has no idea of spiritual principles. No concept. No bearing. What is this? You know, the guys just like to control the girls. No, this is a spiritual principle. And as such, it has spiritual impact. We... It wasn't just an introduction out of nowhere. Paul is just linking the two together. By the way, this is why a spirit being can understand what's taking place in this arena, in the, in the area of hair and heads and covering. Because the spirit knows authority. Authority. In fact, a spirit only knows authority. When when Satan was kicked out of heaven and all those angels went with him, did they all get to choose who was going to be in charge? Uh Uh-uh. They followed him as their leader. They only know authority. They only know authority. So when and a spirit being that only knows authority goes into a natural situation, what's the first thing it's going to look for? Authority. What kind of authority is in place in this situation? How do I know? Let's look at some things. First of all, Let's look at a woman's hair. I'm going to get a pretty good idea. Again, I'm talking spiritual principles. The spirit looking for authority is going to get a good idea of what authority structure is here and in place by looking at just that one thing. I don't know why. Don't ask me why. God chose that. I don't know why he didn't make it fingernail length. Or whatever. He chose this. But he also gave instruction that says, it's supposed to be this way, and those who follow it are obedient and under authority. Like the centurion, a man under authority, who now can say this and this. For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. All right, let's keep going. Verse 11. Nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man in the Lord, because God has ordained things. He, He made it this way. Next verse. For as the woman is of the man... Even so is the man also by the woman. Boys, you didn't get here without a mom. None of you did. I called you boys, yes. You didn't get here without a mother. The man is by the woman. But all things of God... God is the one that can control how life is created. This is the scripture that says in him was life. Yeah, all of it. No kidding. He determined how life gets made. Let's keep going. Judge in yourselves. Is it comely that a woman pray unto God uncovered? He, He... I told you, he's interweaving these topics of authority and hair and structure and obedience and man and female and all he's inter- he, he, But so now he says, "Judge it yourselves. What do you think? We don't get that a lot in the Bible. I'm just letting you know. okay? Not a lot of times does the scripture say, how do you feel about this? But here it says, judge in yourselves. Is it comely that a woman pray unto God uncovered? In other words, does it look right to you? If a woman is praying... Now, again, let's put ourselves in context for a minute. He's writing to the church in Corinth. The church gathers and they pray is he, He's saying, look at the women that are praying and decide, does it look right or not right when they pray with the covering of authority or when they don't pray with the covering of authority? If there's not a God-ordained covering over that woman's life, how does it feel when she's praying? It feels kind of weird. Same for a man, by the way if there's not a God-ordained covering on that person, and they just get to pray and operate and whatever they want to do, uh-uh, that doesn't look right. Let's keep going. I'm almost done. Doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair... It is a shame unto him. i got a lot of things I want to say about this, and i got about five minutes I'm going to try to do it in. First of all, this is the first time the word long is mentioned in this whole passage. This is the first time, and it's not even talking about women. It's talking about men. Doesn't nature teach you that if a man has long hair, it's a shame to him? long the, I, love, I love this scripture the, the definition of the word long is hair that grows not measured hair that grows and then is allowed to grow hair that grows and is allowed to grow is long hair We get, uh uh ah, this is fun. Men, we get to go and get a haircut. Why? Because hair that grows and is allowed to grow is long hair. Doth not nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it's a shame unto him. All right, next verse. But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her. Same meaning of the word, hair that grows and is allowed to grow. Not once it reaches this. All right. Ah, I'm having fun. I'm, I know you guys are sitting there just sweating and all that stuff. I'm having fun. Because we get to talk about the Bible. And what God says about all this. That's what I want to know. What does God say about all this? If a woman has long hair. I, I, I heard it put this way. I think it's a perfect way to describe it. How long is long? As long as it can be. Not Let's line all the ladies up and put the one with the longest hair on the end and say all right she's got the most glory. Uh-uh, it's not about the length measurable as lo- as long as it is allowed to grow. The enemy would love to get into your mind and he does this so easily and say I think that's long enough. Don't you think that's long enough to be long according to the Bible? And men, he does the same to us. I think that's short enough. Don't you think that's short enough? There's not a, there, men are, we're not excused from these things, you know. It's not a bunch of rules for women in the Bible, no. It's male and female. And it's what a male's supposed to do and what a female's supposed to do. It's a glory to her, for her hair is given her for a covering. Her hair is given her for a covering. And this is the first time in all these scriptures we've read that Paul literally links the two together and says, this is that. This is that. The hair is the covering." And if it's not there, what do you mean not there? If it's not long, what do you mean not long? I mean, if it's not as long as it could be, hair that grows and is allowed to grow, then it's not a covering. I'm going to stop and say this. I'm watching the clock. When we repent, that means to change. If the Lord convicts me as a man about this, the first thing that I need to do is get shorter hair. If the Lord convicts a woman about this, it's a little bit different, a little bit more difficult, right? Because she can't just run and say, add some, please. That down there, put it back. No, no. But what she can do is say, this is now long hair that is allowed to grow. And however long it gets, I can't control that. The Bible says, which one of you, by taking thought, can add hair to your head? If you can, let's talk after service, because i got, you know, I'd be curious to know. But we don't just decide, oh, I want my hair to be longer. All right, there it goes. That's longer. <laughs> no. Hair that is long and is allowed to grow is given to a woman for a covering. Next verse. But if any man seem to be contentious, we have no such custom, neither the churches of God. So, men and women that love to just make this a point of contention, that's how Paul feels about it. It doesn't belong in the church. We have no such custom. We don't like people who just want to have strife. That's the word there, contention. And actually, people who are fond of strife. We don't like that to be allowed to influence And go around and say in in our meetings and in our gatherings, how do you feel about this? What do you think is right about this? I'll tell you what the Lord told me. Mm -mm, mm -mm." Paul says it. If any seem to be contentious, that's not how we operate. I've told you what it is. The Lord has told us what it is. Now it's on us. To choose, are we gonna obey or not obey? Are we gonna follow or not follow? Are we gonna make short what needs to be short? Are we gonna allow to grow what needs to grow? We can stand. Everybody say it's about authority. Everybody say it's about authority it's not about rules hear me it's not about rules it's not about trying to make somebody happy it's about authority I need authority in my life I have to have authority in my life I'm jealous of the women It doesn't say anywhere in there men get to have power with the angels because they got the right kind of haircut. It's about authority. Men, we have the responsibility to be the God given authority that He's given us. Hear me. This is as important as anything I've said today. We have the responsibility to be God ordained authority. Women? You have the responsibility to find God-ordained authority. You have the right to demand God-ordained authority. Because He's not a respecter of persons, and He would not give some good authority and others the wrong authority just because He doesn't care about you enough. I close I'd like us to pray receive the things that the Lord is speaking here to us today come on receive it into your spirit the things that the Lord has shared and talked to you about today father I receive the truth of your word today I believe it God and as the scripture says let God be true and every man a liar we stand upon your word today father We stand upon the truth of your word. It is the authority. It is the final authority, God. I'm not interested in somebody else's opinion. I'm not interested in what somebody else would try to justify. I'm interested in your word as the final authority in my life, Father. I submit to it today, right now, in Jesus' name. I submit to your authority in my life, God the covering that you've given to me, the spiritual covering, God, that you've given to me, I accept it right now, God, and I submit to it. I thank you for it, Jesus. I thank you, God, for allowing these things to operate in my life. I thank you for the invitation to be a part of your body. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. We receive it today, God. We receive it today, God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Speak to me, Lord. Speak to me, Lord. God, I want my spiritual ears to be open to hear your voice. Speak to me, Father. Speak to me, Lord. I'm receiving it today, God. I'm listening for the sound of your voice. God, I'm listening for the call of your Spirit. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Yes, God, thy will be done. Thy will be done in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. search each person's heart he would search each person's heart looking for one that is submitted to him not one that's trying to find rules and regulations and, and just to follow them to say they can follow them I believe the Lord is looking at each person's heart to know this is a person under authority This is a man, this is a woman under authority. And I can operate through this. I can work through this. I can allow my spirit to accomplish mighty things through this. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I receive it today, O God. I receive it. Come on, would you just make the commitment to the Lord? Talk to the Lord for a moment. Come on. We're not watching for a show of hands. We're not looking for an attitude change. We are giving ourselves to the Lord, submitting to Him, submitting to the Lord. Jesus, I submit to you right now, Father. I submit my life to you, God. I want you to help me, guide my decisions, Lord guide my decisions give me knowledge lord give me wisdom give me understanding lord as it would come from you i pray in the name of jesus in the name of jesus In the name of Jesus, I thank the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 I want to say this. I've done my best today to just give you the word of God. I try my best to leave my opinions out of it. Because what we have to have is the word of God. I am encouraging all of you find these things in the word of God for yourself hear me that does not mean go home and talk about it to your friends there's a big difference in finding something in the word of God for yourself and finding a person that thinks the same you do about something I'm encouraging you to find this in the scripture for yourself Lord, I thank you for visiting us today and speaking to us. I thank you for the truth of your word that we get to stand on, Lord God. I pray that you would hide these things in our heart, Father. I pray that they would be imparted into our mind and into our spirit, God, and that they would not leave us, but that they would continue to bring us understanding and to increase our faith, Lord. I thank you for it in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. You are dismissed. Greet one another.